Let's uh, look at God's word this morning. I'm excited to close out this series that we've been talking about, How to Give. And uh, last week, I gave us a really honest assessment of where we're at as a church and, and what our giving has been like um, for the past few months. And I just want to highlight this real quick. As a church, uh, y'all have stepped up in a big way. Um, I'm really excited about this. Last week was our best giving week since December of 2019. So praise the Lord for that. Now, I will say this. Before we pat ourselves on the back and say, hey, good job, everybody. <laughs> this is the beginning. You know, the real test is going to come. A few months down the road when you take the emotion out of it and it just comes down to simple obedience. And so I want to talk to uh, those of you who have been challenged by taking that first step of obedience. Um, let's stay faithful in that and trusting the Lord in that, in that process. And for those of you who are yet to take that step of obedience, this is not about whether or not we need your money. This is a call to be faithful to God's word. Uh, it's, it's a question of, are you willing to trust the Lord with every area of your life, including your finances? So let's just recap what we've talked about the last two weeks. Um, first of all, we've talked about the biblical basis for tithing. Um, it started with an act of generosity with Abraham. That was the first record in Scripture of the tithe being given. Then it was a covenant that Jacob made with God. Then it was a law in, in the law of Moses. Then it was a principle affirmed by Jesus and practiced by the church throughout its history. And then last week, we talked about the three tithes in the Old Testament, about how God designed the church to operate, that the tithe was God's plan to make sure that the church was taken care of and those who served the church were cared for as well. We talked about how the believer shares in the burden of a local church and how we're partners in the mission that God has given that church. Now, um, we also talked about the importance of investing in rest and in spiritual growth as well. And we briefly just touched on what I want to talk about today, and that's giving outside of the local church, of being generous with what God has given to us as well. So I want to give you a few guidelines that will help you be generous today from God's word. Some of these passages that I'm going to reference, we've already talked about in the past few weeks, and we won't read through them again, but I'll give you uh, where they're from if you want to look at them on your own. Uh, but just a few key principles about generosity. Here's the first one. Generosity should be in addition to tithing, not in place of tithing. Now, um, there are a few reasons for this. Most of them we've already talked about, but Malachi 3 tells us that the tithe should be brought into the storehouse. Now, in our context, uh, the storehouse is the general fund. We do have a shed out back, um, but if you bring your livestock and grain in, uh, we're going to have an issue, all right? I don't think we have enough room to store them, um, but the tithe in the Old Testament was for the work of the Levites, so not only so that they could survive, but uh, Numbers 18 tells us that they should have an inheritance from God, and that's how God would provide for them. Paul says, in the same way that the temple workers are paid, now the ministers of the gospel should be paid in that way as well in 1 Corinthians 9. So it's an act of worship and obedience, but it's not necessarily generosity. It's just something that this, the tithe belongs to God, and, and that's what he's told us to do. Now, I have a theory as to why God told us to do it this way. Does anybody in here like control? 
Okay, well, the rest of you that are lying, listen, let the Holy Spirit convict you. Um, I like to be in control of things. In fact, it's one of the reasons why I became a referee, okay? I like to be in charge. I like to have control. And as a referee, they'll tell you one of the worst things that you can do is lose control of the game, right? It's how fights happen. It's, it's how chaos breaks out. Um, and that's why we have tools in, in different sports. Like in soccer, I can give a yellow card or a red card. In basketball, I can give technical fouls. It's human nature to want to be in control. And you know what? It's no different with our money. We want to be in control. We want to know, even when we give it away, how it's going to be spent. But here's the thing about faith in Christ. Faith in Christ requires giving up control. It requires the believer to give up control. It requires you trusting him with your future. It requires you trusting him with every step that you take. And as a believer, as we're taking those steps of faith, as we're saying, God, I'm trusting you enough, we give up our right to make all our own decisions. And we submit ourselves to the direction of the Holy Spirit. So God wants us to trust him in every area of our life. If he tells us to move, that we should move. If he tells us to change jobs, then we should change jobs. If he tells us to do something uh, uh, crazy and outrageous, then we're saying, God, we believe you're a big God and you're going to provide for us. And even though this doesn't make sense to me, I'm going to do it anyways. And some of you in this room, I've heard the testimonies of how you've done that with your life, how you've taken crazy steps of faith and trusted God, even though it didn't make sense, and how God honored that commitment and he blessed you as a result. Well, God wants you to trust him in every area of your life, including your finances. And that means that we give him control. Now, I've found sometimes that the hardest, uh, the people that have the hardest time with the idea of tithing are financially successful people. Um, you know why? Because they're used to making decisions that work, right? They're used to being in control. And it's not that they don't want to be generous. It's just that they still want to hold on to that idea of control. Well, here's the reality of the situation. Once you bring your tithe, you've been obedient. God doesn't hold you accountable anymore as to how it's being spent. And, and maybe you're thinking, well, Paul, I want my money to make a difference. I don't want to pay for toilet paper. I don't want to pay for, God forbid, I don't want to pay for more sound equipment that would make the drums even louder than they are already, <laughs> right? <laughs> Can I tell you something? Um, Trusting the Lord is, is a process, and learning how to do that is a step of obedience. Now, as someone who makes a lot of decisions as to how we spend our money as a church, the vast majority of what we spend our money on is not very exciting. In fact, most of it is just spent out of necessity. In fact, a few years ago, we had to do some repairs to get our parking lot um, fixed and, and sealed and restriped. And the last time they had this done, it cost about $5,000. And I was like, $5,000, man, that is a lot of money to spend on pavement. Well, we got the bids back. It was not $5,000. It was $13,000. And I remember sitting in that board meeting and, and saying, guys, here's the deal. Like, this is going to cost $13,000. I don't even want to think about what we could do with $13,000 if we gave that to missions and what that could accomplish around the world. I mean, do you realize we could build a church in, in Tanzania for $13,000? Now, 
<laughs> I promise you, nobody writing their, their tithe check thought, I hope this money gets spent on blacktop. <laughs> right? But I remember having this conversation with our board, and I don't remember which board member said it, but since I've been dishing on our board conversations lately, this one wasn't Alyssa, by the way. <laughs> but uh, they, they said, listen, we can pay the $13,000 now and get this thing patched and seal-coated, or we can pay $100,000 in a couple of years to replace the entire lot. Thought, yeah, that, that's a pretty good argument, right? Um, the money that's given uh, as tithes are, is money that's necessary for the operations of this church. And, and, um, and everything that's given in excess of what we have to spend is spent into ministry. So as you give generously, as you tithe, as you're faithful in that, it allows us to do more for our kids' ministry, for our youth ministry, for things that, that we genuinely believe in that make a difference in this, in this church. And we're able to do um, what we're able to do because of the generosity and because of the faithfulness of God's people through the tithe. All right, second thing about generosity is generosity should be shown to honor God, not to receive honor for yourself. Now, I shared this passage of scripture too, but in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us that when we give to the poor, we don't do it to show off. It should be done in secret. In fact, the right hand shouldn't know what the left hand is doing. Um, now, I just want to explain something. That is a metaphor, by the way, okay? You don't have to, like, hide your hand behind your back while you're giving your offering. Jesus is painting a picture of how we should give. Um, some people think that uh, they shouldn't get any credit for giving at all. In fact, they should just give everything anonymously. And, and listen, I don't think that was the point that Jesus was getting at. In fact, um, if you're worried about that, you can be confident that your pastor does not know what you give. Um, and if you get a tax break as a result of something that you give, I think you should take advantage of that. In fact, I'm more excited what God can do with money in the hand of a believer than in our federal government, okay? Uh, so if you can get a tax break, by all means, do that. But if you're looking for recognition, and if you're thinking, I want people to know what I give so that people will know how generous I am, then your heart is wrong, and you should probably just keep it, okay? You're welcome to tell people if you want the, the blessing, if you want to bless yourself, but if you want the blessing of God instead, then I think we should keep it private and give out of a generous heart to honor the Lord instead. Psalm 119.36 says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Now that's a word. <laughs> In other words, I want the story of how God uses my gift more than the story of how I gave it, right? And if that's your heart, then God will honor that. Um, third thing, our generosity is in response to God's generosity to us. Uh, this is from 1 John 3.16. You probably heard of John 3.16. This is 1 John 3.16. By this way, we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed 
or truth. Now that might seem kind of like a harsh word, okay? Uh, basically what John is saying here is, listen, if you're saying you really love people, but you don't back it up with your wallet, then something's probably wrong inside your heart. This principle is affirmed by Jesus. In fact, in Matthew 6, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your generosity shows what's inside of you. John is saying this in the simplest terms. He's saying, God was generous first. He gave to us. Now, if his spirit is in us, then we have a generous spirit. You don't have to try to conjure it up. You don't have to try to change who you are. If, if Jesus lives inside of you, you have generosity inside of you. Some of you don't know it yet, but it's there, right? It's inside of you, and it might be time for a heart check. It doesn't mean we just hand out cash to everyone in need. That's not responsible either. But is our first response compassion or is it judgment? Listen, you can't outgive God. He's already blessed you with far more than what you deserve. Here's the next one. Generosity is a catalyst for God's blessing in our lives. Now, this is the popular one to talk about because we all want the blessing of the Lord. But this is not about giving to get, okay? Generosity is something that Scripture teaches over and over again, that generosity is repaid by God. Now, you're going to hear a story in a little bit um, about this idea, but this isn't just me taking Scripture out of context. It's, it's in the Bible. It's over and over and over again. God says it explicitly. Here's just a couple examples. We do not have time to read them all this morning, but this is from Leviticus 25, 35. It says, if your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. Take no interest from him or profit, but fear your God that your brother may live beside you. You shall not lend him your money at interest, nor give him your food for profit. Has anybody ever opened your house before to somebody who needed a place to stay? I know there are people in this church that have done that, right? That's an incredibly generous thing to do. It shows something that's, that God has put inside you. Here's Psalm 41, 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. And he's called blessed in the land, and you do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. So here's a perfect example of somebody who's generous to those who are in need. God says, my blessing's way bigger than money, right? It's way bigger than that. I'm going to bless you in all of these different areas of your life. If you demonstrate generosity, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to bless you. In fact, even when you're sick, God's saying this can be a path to your healing. How, how incredible is that? Luke 6, 37. Judge not or you will not be judged. Condemn not or you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, put into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Proverbs 19, 17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. How many think that God can repay a debt, right? So if you have an opportunity to invest in someone else, even though they may never pay you back, the Lord has promised. 
the return on that investment. Matthew 10, 42. Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. This is not about giving to get. This is about trusting a good God who's faithful to his promises. Nothing that you give could outgive what God has given to us. And his blessing is something we can count on. All right, here's the next one. Generosity should cost us something. Luke 21, 1 to 4. This one's not as popular as the last point. <laughs> Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put all she had to live on. Listen, God is not concerned or impressed by the amount that you give. He's not sitting there and thinking, look at all the zeros on that check. <laughs> you know what? Here's the reality. God does not need your money. People are impressed by that. Frankly, your pastor might be impressed by that. But listen, God is not, okay? God wants the sacrifice. He wants your heart, right? Man always looks at the outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. At the end of King David's life, he's taking stock of everything that he's built in his kingdom. And if you know anything about King David, he was the greatest king that lived in Israel. He was... Um, revered by his people. He led them in many great victories. Um, he, he brought the kingdom of Israel to a place of great power and great riches. And out of pride, he takes a census so that he can see everything that he, thinking he was the one that has built it. And God convicts David of his sin. And he speaks to him and he gives him three options for punishment. Right? Have your parents ever done this to you, by the way? My, my parents have done this a couple times. Like, okay, here's your choices for your punishment. That's the worst, all right? <laughs> but this is what God does. He says, you can have three years of famine. You can have three months of fleeing from your enemies. Or you can have three days of pestilence. David said, well, I'd rather be in the hands of a merciful God than in the hands of my enemies. So he chose the three days of pestilence. Now this was severe. 70,000 people died from this punishment because of David's pride. And God was using an angel to destroy them all. And when the angel was about to destroy Jerusalem, scripture tells us that God stayed the angel's hand. And David saw this angel and he told him to build an altar on the threshing floor of this guy, Aruna, the Jebusite. And so David approaches this guy, and he's like, listen, I need to buy your threshing floor. I have to build an altar to God. Um, what, are, what are you going to sell it to me for? And Aruna says, take it. It's for the Lord. Now, here's what David said. This is in 2 Samuel 24, verse 24. He said, but the king said to Aruna, no, I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God 
that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David understood something here. He understood that God honors sacrifice. Now, 50 shekels of silver was nothing to the king. But when it costs something, God rewards it. Look what happened. Verse 25, And David built an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And so the Lord responded to the plea for the land, and the plague was averted from Israel. Generosity needs to cost us something. Here's the last one. Generosity is given out of what you have. Out of what you have. Listen, God doesn't require you to give more than you have. He's given you something. Are you going to be generous with it? Here's what 2 Corinthians 8.12 says. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. Isn't that an incredible picture? There are going to be moments in your life where God is going to entrust you with something, where God is going to bless you in some way. Are you going to be faithful in those moments to share in a heart of generosity and to give out of what God has done for you? He's saying, whatever I've put in your hands, I'm entrusting you with that. In fact, this is a principle that, that we've been talking about for a while. Do you remember the parable of the talents that we talked about a few weeks ago? It's an example of, of God entrusting someone with a certain amount. And there were, there were two faithful servants in that story. One had five talents from the beginning, and he doubled it and got to ten talents. And the other had two, and he doubled it and got to four. And God's response to both were, well done, good and faithful servant. I've entrusted you with a little. Now you're going to be put in charge with more. He didn't say, well, okay, listen, two-talent guy, you only got two, the other guy got five. You know what? God is only entrusting you with what he's given you, okay? So what you're holding in your hand, that's what you're responsible for. Don't think about it as, oh, listen, one day when God gives me more, then I can maybe do something. No, be faithful with what he's put in your hand. Uh, this principle is, is played out in the life of Moses. In fact, um, Moses was called by God to lead his people out of Egypt, and he encountered God in this burning bush, and he was having this conversation with God, and Moses had so many excuses that day about why he couldn't be the one to do what God had called him to do. He's like, listen, I don't speak well. I can't do that. I'm not a good public speaker. I stutter. I have issues there. God said, okay, we'll give you your brother Aaron. He can speak on your behalf. And Moses is like, I am fully incapable of doing this. But you know what God told him? He asked him a question. He said, what's in your hand? Moses was like, a rod, a stick. 
a chunk of wood. A chunk of wood that I found probably somewhere in the wilderness. Like This is what's going through his head right now. He's thinking it's nothing. But God is thinking, I can use that. So what does he tell him to do? He tells him to throw it on the ground. It turns into a serpent. He's like, that's, that's kind of cool. I could maybe use that. <laughs> right? He picks it back up. It becomes a stick. He does that in front of Pharaoh. Throws his stick on the ground. Pharaoh's magicians are like, yeah, we can do that too. They throw their sticks on the ground. Guess what happens? Moses' stick eats their sticks. Now that's cool, right? <laughs> like, do you remember what happened after, after the 10 plagues and, and God's people are coming out of the land of Egypt and they run into the Red Sea and Pharaoh changes his mind. He sends his entire army after them. Do you remember what Moses did? He stretched his staff out over the water and God miraculously divided the Red Sea. God asked him, what do you have in your hand? I can use that. And maybe he's asking you that same question. What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand this morning? What has God given to you? Because he can use it if you're willing to trust him with it. Here's the last one. Generosity is an act of will, not coercion. Maybe some of you are thinking, well, this kind of feels like coercion this morning. <laughs> but the reality is God has entrusted you and the only one that can make that decision is you. That doesn't mean that it's easy. And I'm not telling you that, that you should only tithe when you feel like it or when you're excited about it. That's an act of obedience. But we do need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Here's what 2 Corinthians 9 says. The point is this. I love when scripture starts that way because you just don't have to think about it anymore. It's like... What's the point? The point is this. <laughs> Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, that's a lot of all, by the way, you may abound in every good work. So here's how it works. As you invest what God has given you in the kingdom of God and you trust the Lord with what he's entrusted you with, then God graciously supplies everything that you need. In case you're wondering what the word all means, it means all. Okay? It's everything. God will provide for your needs. Why? So that you can abound in every good work. Right? Comes back to the Lord. You're faithful in what he's entrusted you with. He meets your needs. You serve his kingdom. It's a beautiful picture. Maybe you have to talk yourself into it sometimes. Listen, that's okay. Right? That doesn't, sometimes we have to convince ourselves. That doesn't mean that your attitude is bad. That just means that you're still human. Right? But when you choose to give, decide to do it. Trusting the Lord 
that he's, his love for you is greater than anything that you could give to him. I want you to hear this testimony this morning. I'm going to ask Samantha to come and share something that God put on her heart. had me on a uh, giving journey, let's call it. I grew up and in the church, I saw maybe $1, $5 on holidays, right, being given by my parents. Um, and that was the norm. And I didn't know much about giving other than um, that, really. So when I started attending a church as a young adult, that's what I did. So this is just a reminder. Parents, your children are watching and they're going to do as you do. Um, and if you're there right now, that's okay. It's a great place to start your journey. But because of COVID, if you all heard of that little thing, um, my corporate job transitioned mostly to working from home over the last couple years. And during that time, I picked up photography as a side gig, mostly because I just wanted to see real humans again. Uh, last summer, uh, I was at worship practice one morning, and I remembered while I was practicing this thought I had to myself um, really went through and I was like, I should give all of my earnings in my Venmo account, which was all of my photography money, uh, to the backpacks that they were collecting for the community. Uh, it's funny when I say thought to myself because I was just trying to justify, alter, omit this thought that God put in my head. And I'm like, he may have spoken this to me, he may have not spoken to me, I do this a lot. Um, and in this case, I immediately talked back to God and I said, yeah, sure, I can give most of it, but I could keep a couple hundred for myself, right? I worked really hard for this money. Um, and it came to the part where we went back and forth. God and I do this a lot. And um, then I went to, how about I give to something that excites me more? Not that I don't care about children, but there are a lot of things where I was like, oh, this is really fun thing to give to. Backpacks, not so much for me, right? Uh, and at this point, I pictured God giving me the parental look of, are you serious, that I typically give to my children. <laughs> so after practice, I sat down and I wrote out the check. Literally right here, I just wrote it out. And then instead of putting it in the box, I put it in my purse. And um, I didn't want to let that money go. I was like, maybe I just ate something bad for breakfast. This thought was in my head. Kept justifying. So then Ben came in right before church started, and I sheepishly told him, thinking he would be like, yeah, that's crazy, don't do that. Uh, but if you know Ben, his response was very straightforward and said, if you give it and it isn't God telling you, is it going to something bad? And if it is God, well, just listen and give it. So I did. Uh, fast forward to uh, five months after I finished my photography season, and hear this, I never even uh, contemplated receiving from this. Like, it was just a moment where I was like, okay, God, is this you? Like, am I listening? Um, but as I was kind of reflecting back on the year, um, I remembered, like, I gave because if God told me to step out of the boat, walk on the water, and it would get, him, get me one step closer to him, uh, then dang it, I was all in. And um, I saw my total income for the year, and it was over 15 times the amount of, I, of what I had given that day. And it was far more than I ever imagined I was going to make in that side hustle. So know this. 
God will challenge you to step outside your comfort zone. And there is no growth in the comfort zone. He will lead your decision to give. And if you're not sure, run it by a trusted friend, family member, family member, or better yet, just talk to God. Worst case, just do it, like Ben told me. Isn't that awesome? Now, here's, here's uh, the reality of, uh, of our situation as a church. You know, last Sunday we had an awesome prayer meeting for those of you who are there. And I think uh, God revealed some really important things to us as a church as, as we spent time praying and just hearing from the Lord. And we began to talk about um, everything that that meant and what God had in store for us going forward. And we're, it's exciting. It's exciting to begin to dream. Say, God, okay, what do you have for us? You know, what do you want us to do? Now, I just want to plant a seed for something that's coming down the road. What God is calling us to do as a church is going to take some investment, right? It's going to take some generosity. But listen, I'm willing to trust God enough to say, okay, Lord, I want you to do what you want to do. We are going to need time. We are going to need energy. We are going to need resources to do what God is calling us to do. And it starts in this moment. If we're going to entrust, if God is going to entrust us with something big, then we need to learn to be faithful with the little things as well. We are committed to doing what God has called us to do. Listen, I, I think on Mother's Day, we're, we're sitting here, and I think about sacrifices that, that moms make on a regular basis. I see the picture that, that my mom sacrificed for, for us as kids and how she gave of her time and her energy, how she went without things that, so, that, so that we could have something. And I see that, that same principle um, with my wife and the way that she sacrifices for our family and for our kids too. Um, listen, when, when you're raising a child, sacrifice is required. And in the same way that as, as we are um, seeking to raise up disciples who are following the Lord, who are serving him, it's going to require sacrifice on the part of God's people. It's going to require time and energy and finances and probably a lot more that I'm not even thinking about right now. Are we willing to be who God has called us to be? As we take those steps, are we willing to say, God, I'm going to trust you enough. I'm going to lean on your word. I'm going to believe that your promises are true. I'm going to be faithful to do what you've called me to do. Sound good? You excited about that maybe just a little bit? We'll get there if you're not. <laughs> well, can we close in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that we've seen it demonstrated over and over again. I thank you for the testimonies that we've heard over these last three weeks. And Lord, I thank you for the testimonies that are coming. God, we're so looking forward to what you have for us. 
We're trusting in you. We know that you are our source. And Lord, that all blessing comes from you. So Lord, we lean into that today. Say thank you for being a good father and a good God. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day. Make sure you call your mom if she's not here. We love you. Have a great day.